That, ladies and gentlemen, is the sound of carrot liquor. Daily Screening Podcast. My name is Daily, and with me as always, my intrepid partner, Bartholomew. Hello, Bart. Oi. Oi. Uh, yeah. Today we're, uh, we're talking The Wolf of Wall Street, and we're drinking carrot liquor. That's liquor made from carrots. In Maine. In Maine. Now, if we were going to be, uh, you know, true, we, we should be doing lewds is what we should be doing. I mean, well, you know, if we really want to live up to the, the wolf here, well, or follow the wolf's example... Should be, we should be doing doing rails off the off the MacBook and uh, handfuls of lewds. Oh, you go right ahead. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. I think we should edit that part out. <laughs> well, I didn't say we are doing lewds. I just said we should be doing lewds. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> I think we're. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the uh, 100% unstaged reaction to drinking carrot liquor. It is strong it's stuff. It's not fucking around, and it's been it's been had some ice settle in it for a few minutes, too. Oh, I mean, we've got a half a finger with four things of ice in each glass. And it's, it's still... I'm warm. Yeah. And I gotta go home soon. Oh, holy <laughs> fucking hell. So Wolf of Wall Street was sort of the last of my awards season movies. Uh, that I wanted to watch. Um, you know, usually I'm sort of struggling in like late January, February to try and get around to you know seeing all of the big you know award nominated stuff before the actual Oscars. Uh, but this year, obviously, um, since I'm watching movies on a much more aggressive schedule, I've actually managed to see I think all of them before the year is out. The only one I haven't seen yet is the uh, Saving Mr. Banks, but I, you know, I don't see that as being a big contender per se. Um, but man, uh, Wolf of Wall Street was just so, so great. Um, and I'll, and I'll tell you what, it, it stands in stark contrast. So on Christmas day, uh, I went with my, with my family to the movies. It was the first time we'd ever gone to the movies on Christmas day. Wait, is this the Daily Clan? Yeah, the, no, my, or, or the Christmas no, my, too? my wife and my wife wasn't feeling well. So her, her and my in-laws stayed, stayed home. Uh, and ended up, my parents and my brother and I uh, went out and saw American. Okay, no, she st she stayed home. Uh, have you ever have you ever been to the movies on Christmas Day? No, I haven't. I used to work in a movie theater. Yeah. Uh, and I had to work on Christmas Day once. But other than that, I, this is the first time I've ever actually been to a movie. It was packed. Really? And we, yeah. And we were on Cape Cod, so it was not. I mean, oh well, it was not not the city or anything, which I would think you'd have like a bigger crowd. But no, I mean, this was. I mean, well, incidentally, my, my parents, so today is the 29th, 29th yeah. so my parents went yesterday and saw, to quote my father, American Hustler. <laughs> that sounds like a very different film. It does sound like a very different film. They went and they, they were going to go see it at the Cinema Deluxe thingy, but instead they ended up in West Newton. Oh, Jesus. Which, which was packed, apparently. Yeah. It was packed. 
So I, I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's just that time of year. But. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, so we went on Christmas Day and we saw American Hustle. Not American Hustler. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the, the place was absolutely packed. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I enjoyed that movie. Um, I thought it was pretty... I think my mom wants to talk to you about it. Actually. Oh, I have no doubt. <laughs> have fun with that one. Uh, it was. It's you know. It's it's pretty. It, it's got. Uh, you know. It's it's full of it's full of people I like giving very good performances. Um, Jennifer Lawrence in particular, uh, man, her her talents are just being utterly wasted by the Hunger Games movies. And I think she's very good in the Hunger Games movies. But that character Katniss Everdeen is such a like a sullen badass you know like she's all she does is like basically kick ass and not be not happy about it um that when you see her in something like like uh, american hustle where she just is sort of the life of the party and so energetic and charismatic and it you know it's like that's that's the jennifer lawrence i want to see more of you know mm. uh, i don't want to see franchise tentpole ya jennifer lawrence anymore right um, it, and i should feel like i'm going to enjoy the her in the next hung the, the next two Hunger Games movies less the more I see her in other movies Wait, you know two, how many are there there's two more movies come they split the last third book into two movies why do so. they keep doing that they make more money that way well yeah um but but anyway I, I thought that movie was pretty good but I wasn't blown away by it um and part of that is that seeing a movie like that um with sort of an A list cast um that gets released in you know, mid late December, it is instantly you know that's that's awards bait. You know, that's a movie that is being released at that point so that it can get nominated for awards. Mm -hmm. um, and it just doesn't feel like that kind of a movie. You know, like if this had been a springtime movie or uh, like a late summer movie, I think I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more because I wasn't going into it with awards caliber expectations. And mm -hmm. I like David O. Russell. I mean, like. I, I have high expectations, you know, with him behind the camera and with that cast. But, you know, I went in expecting really sort of prestige, you know, high class sort not, of filmmaking. Not, not the prestige. Yeah, no. <laughs> or, or just something that's just really, really fun. Like an absolute sort of, you know, uh, charismatic, you know, enjoyable just sort of ride that you can just sort of sit back and let it take you. Um, and it's not either of those things. It sort of straddles the fence between the two from minute to minute. Um, Wolf of Wall Street uh, is the exact opposite. Wolf manages to be both of those things, uh, which is pretty astounding. Uh, I went into it with no real expectations because I knew almost nothing about it. Yeah. I just haven't been paying attention lately. Right. Um, just the holidays and... Yeah, I've been really busy. Yeah, schedule holiday schedules, um, man. I mean, and that's part of why I never, I always end up trying to chase these movies down in late January yeah, because yeah. so many of them come out right around Christmas, and it's like, well, I don't, I'm not going to get to them for weeks, you know? Right, it's just a, it's just a mess. Um, so I, I went into this with almost no expectations, except I knew that, like, I knew who the cast was, or at least you know the main cast, and I knew that it was Scorsese, so I knew it was going to be all right. Yeah, at least. Um, but I had no idea what I was in for, and uh, I'm not unhappy about it. Yeah. Um, so I went in cold, and I came out very happy. Yeah, no, I, I sort of intentionally, I mean, I know it's a true story, um, but I don't I know any of the details of the story, and I sort of intentionally uh, stayed clear of, you know, looking, doing any kind of research or trying to figure out, learn anything about the characters of the story ahead of time. Um, 
because I just I just trust Scorsese to just you know whatever he wants what whatever he wants to do I'm willing to watch basically. <coughs> I mean I I had pretty high expectations but man they were met and exceeded. Okay, how how spoilery are we? Well. <sighs> I mean, this is something we haven't really talked about in these podcasts. We're now at, this is episode five. Is this five? This is our fifth. Uh, and uh, most of them, you know, we've been talking about these movies sort of very way after the fact. So I we haven't really, no we've been pretty spoilery. But uh, I mean, I think, I think we should, I, I don't think we should hold back. I think this should be a discussion of the movie if for people who have seen the movie. So if you haven't seen the movie... Uh, maybe you shouldn't listen to this until after you've seen the movie. I think that should be our rule going forth. Done. I mean, we're still we're still trying to we're still sort of figuring this out as we go along. Yeah. Uh, in classic us fashion, <laughs> um, heaven forbid we have a discussion and set any kind of rules or guidelines before mm-hmm. we do something. No. Nope. Nope. No. Uh, figure it out when we get there. <laughs> Exhibit A: Carrot liquor. Carrot liquor is a great example. Um, so yeah, I think I think we should just you know have have at it. All right. I have not seen physical comedy like that in many moons. Yeah, I mean, okay, so uh, the you're talking about the lemon scene, the quaalude, the special <laughs> super quaaludes. The, 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 the palsy scene. Yes, yes, when he skips to the palsy phase. Yes, the palsy phase. Um, yeah, my God. I mean, that's, that's one of those things that I didn't know DiCaprio had that sort of thing in him. Well, I don't think many actors do. Yeah. It's certainly something you don't see very much anymore. That no. level of physical comedy. And I mean, especially for DiCaprio. Whenever I think of him, I, I mean, <laughs> let's leave growing pains aside for a minute. Yeah, but yeah. Whenever I think of DiCaprio, I think of him in serious roles. Mm-hmm. Um, some of which I don't want to have anything to do with. Exhibit A, Titanic. Yeah. Um, but you know, for I feel like modern DiCaprio, departed era DiCaprio. There's there's nothing funny. I can't think of another performance like this. I mean, it no. is both equal measures, you know, insane comedy and just fierce raw determination on screen. It's 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 astounding to watch. Uh especially all of those scenes where uh where he's up at the microphone on the stand, where he's in Stratton and he's sort of rallying the troops. Yeah. Um, the Steve Madden IPO speech is just... I mean, these are like magnetic things. You cannot tear your eyes away from the screen. because and it's, and it's a monologue. Yeah, exactly. He's I mean, essentially just talking to a room. And granted, you know, Scorsese brilliantly keeps cutting back to the other people in the room who are just, like, enthralled and hanging on yeah. his every word. Oh, yeah. Um, but the the Steve Madden speech and the speech when you know he's he says he's going to leave the company. I mean, those are just I, those are master classes. Those are acting master classes right there. I mean, yeah. that's that should be required viewing because I mean it's not just you're right. Like he's been essentially delivering a monologue, but just every tiny little facial tw- like twitch is jaw dropping. You know? Yeah. It's it's. It's rare that I will get fascinated mm-hmm. with a monologue, because I just don't. Yeah. But see, the actor, I totally, acting major part of me loves that shit. Oh, I totally bought it. Totally bought it. And 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 the, the little supporting bits, like the the what's her name, the girl in the audience during the oh the blonde, the whatever who, the, who had you the know, the five the, grand twenty five grand yeah yeah five grand twenty five grand yeah she's great 
Yeah, I mean that was, and that's a that's a great moment there, uh, and I, I love right after that um, when he sort of walks out into the audience and he's just sort of grabbing. There's like two guys, and he sort of like grabs them like around the back of the neck, and he's just sort of like talking to them very intensely, like right in the face, and they're not even like characters that we care about in any no. way. They're just, like, guys who are standing there. Yeah. And, like, it just, you can just see them, like, feeding off of DiCaprio's energy. It's ridiculous. He's literally infecting the room and making everyone around him better. You know what it's like? Mm. George C. Scott in... Uh, Strange Love? Yeah. Yeah. But that was forced. Well, yeah, he's doing a bit of a... Shtick. He's well, yeah, that's what I mean. It's yeah. a shtick. He's overacting. Yeah. Whereas I mean, the the character... which is not to say that DiCaprio is low key in any way. I right. Mean, right. That's Jesus. My, that's exactly my point. Is that he is he's way over the top. The whole movie he's way over the top. Yeah. I mean the physical comedy, the line delivery, the just like like you said he, every, everything, everything is cranked up to thirteen. Yeah. Let alone eleven. Uh, you know? Everything is way over the top, but it never feels like it. Yeah. It, it just feels like that's the way the character is, yeah. not the way, that's the way yeah, that's, DiCaprio was acting. Yeah, in. that's just that guy. Right. It really does feel like he's, and that's the thing, is one of those performances that really does not feel like a performance. It doesn't feel like there's an ounce of artifice in that. Right. In he, 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 it is channeling this otherworldly person through him. It's, it's insane, yeah. you know? And that's what's so remarkable about it. Yeah, and aside from that, his, you know, as we mentioned earlier, his physical comedy is, like, something that I've never seen before. It's... <laughs> there, the, the scene where he tries to get into his car is... I mean, that alone, that, like, ten minutes in the middle of the movie is one of the most remarkable... I mean, I am in awe of it. It's all I've been able to think about it's for the a... last... 24 hours you know from the moment he starts to slur his speech <laughs> on the payphone and like through his fall down the stairs i mean like his performance his there, roll down the stairs yeah, and opening the car with his foot i mean like every his performance there is unparalleled that is in that is just nuts it's just fucking nuts but on top of that the way that Scorsese shoots that's, it and the way that they cut it together is, I mean, I, that's, I think that's like a perfect 10 minutes of film. That's like a 10 minute short story in and of itself that is better than most of the movies I've seen this year. And the thing is that there are elements of it that shouldn't work. Yeah. I mean, he says, what is he like, I can crawl, I can crawl. Yeah. Like, that should, that, there's no way that should work. And he said, but then he, like, there's that little, like, and what's, what's the daughter's name? Uh, uh... Skyler? Skyler, Skyler. He says, that damn kid makes it look so easy. Like, that shouldn't work. Yeah. It should be lame, and it should pull you right out of the action and make you go, okay. Yeah. But, but... You know what? The the, the other thing that's exactly like that is when he gets back to the house, and the the spinach, the Popeye spinach thing. The Popeye spinach thing. Intercutting him with cocaine, with Popeye (laughs) eating a spinach. Like, it's, like, I mean, it's so on the nose, but it is so perfect, and to see him literally get up and become a super-powered person <laughs> and pull the phone cord off of his face. It's, oh my god, it is, I, like, I, I I am slack-jawed. It yeah. is so wonderful. I, it just shouldn't work. It's the kind of thing that lots of people will try to do. Yeah, anyone else and would... just fail. Yeah. Just, like, terrible. Yeah. But, 
I don't know how. I mean, maybe it's just a function of getting the audience so amped up by that point in the movie that they'll buy anything. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'd be curious to see how it plays a second time around. And I, I intend to. But, damn, it worked. Yeah. Yo, you're right. Any, any other filmmaker and that bit falls flat. That it instantly takes you out and you go, ah, blame, Popeye, yeah. whatever. Like, how, how hacky. But, no, it just totally, it, it totally works. There isn't a false note in that whole bit. It's the kind of thing you try when you're making a movie in high school. Yeah. And you just can't. Yeah. And and then when you go you roll your eyes at it later when you go back and watch it. Really? Like, oh, what were we thinking? Oh my right? god, we're so stupid. Uh but no man, it is it is pretty much it is pretty much perfect there. And you're right, I mean I don't I don't know if it's I mean it's it's I think it's one of the, it's just like a perfect storm. There's n- I, well, I mean, you were telling me yesterday, right after the movie, we were chatting before we we were trying to decide whether Daly was gonna write this one or podcast it. Yeah. Um so we talked a little bit. And you said that uh, Scorsese always has a sense of humor in his mm-hmm. movies, and he does, and I agree. But this isn't Scorsese having a sense of humor. This is Scorsese being funny, yeah, actively, yeah. And it's a very different proposition from some of his other things. I think this is. I mean, I think there's an argument to be made that this is. You could make the argument that this is the funniest movie of the year. Like, I, 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 I wouldn't go quite that far. I think it's in. I think it's up there at the top. Well, what else is there? Um, I, I would honestly, I would put the uh, the dueling apocalypse movies uh, slightly ahead of it. Um, uh, this is the end and uh, World's End. Oh, um, neither both, of which I've seen yet. Oh, really? Okay, both yeah. of those movies are insanely funny. Yeah. Um, uh, at World's End is. That's the Simon Pegg, Edgar Wright right. version, the, the pub crawl movie. And that's a movie that you you walk into that going, yeah, this is this it's, is going to be good. It's going to be know? Like, it's going to be funny, but also, this is going to be a good movie. Um, so the expectations are... Is Nick are, Frost in that one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he is. Okay. So the expectations are pretty... I mean, I think it... It's a it's a weird movie because in ways it's a lot darker than their than the other two movies in their Cornetto trilogy. Um, so it's 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 a lot it's a lot darker than those two movies. Um, and I don't think the you know those two movies sort of uh, they sort of hinge on the on the premise I think a lot more than this one does. Um, in that you know like Sean is a zombie movie and Hot Fuzz is a cop movie and they are sort of those things above all. While also there is, you know, notes about friendship and, uh, their you movie, know. Well, their movies always have notes about friendship. Right. No, exactly. I mean, these are running themes throughout this trilogy. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the hook, the concept is sort of, you know, that's, that's the guiding principle of the movie. Okay. Whereas this is sort of a movie that takes place during the apocalypse, but the apocalypse is more just the setting for the story they want to tell, you know? Um... Have, 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 have another sip there, sir. I think mine's mostly water at this point, but yeah. it's still making me warm. Yeah, me too. <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, so, is <laughs> So, I mean, so it is it is very funny. Um, uh, the, uh... Oh. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. This is the end. I was actually really surprised because that's a movie that on paper just feels like that's... that. No, yeah, there'll probably be some funny stuff, but that's probably a movie that's going to be more annoying than funny. You know, it's a bunch of you know young right. comedian guys sort of playing themselves as people of facing like it just sounds so self indulgent, and especially with someone like Franco involved. And look, I really like James Franco, but I also will happily admit that the guy can you know sometimes not exactly have the 
greatest sense of uh, modesty or self control. I, uh, I find him kind of creepy. Yeah, no, that's perfect. That's a perfectly reasonable uh, reaction to I him just, as a person. I just kind of expect that at some point in the next five, ten years, they're going to discover a like a false floor in his basement, mm-hmm. and it's just going to be full of awful things. Just full of awful things yeah. down there that he has to lower food to in a basket. <laughs> like, it's just, I expect something weird. You know what it's like? It's a little bit like uh, Patrick Swayze and Donnie Darko. I just like expect something <laughs> weird to happen. It's just yeah. like, Franco, something's, something's not right with that something guy. Something doesn't sit right with you? No. No, I like it. It's, it's perfectly reasonable. But that movie is, the movie is insanely funny and it is also surprisingly sweet. Uh, and mm. there is a really well, that's good. strong like through line of again sort of like friendship and what it means to sort of evolve as friends and uh, and to do something for other people. It's 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 real and it's just insanely funny. I mean, the first time I I mean just like pure laughs per minute. I was pretty much never not laughing the first time I watched that movie. Um, well, for the record, so as I'm sure is readily apparent by episode five of the Daily Screening <laughs> Podcast, Daily is my loud movie-going friend. Like, I, when I want, like, when I, I, I know when I see a movie with him, no matter how shitty it is, I'm going to enjoy it. Just listening to Daily laugh at everything. And, the, like, if I had to pick moments in my life where I've seen him laugh the hardest, like, the movies that they are, they're not necessarily what you might think it's going to be. There's definitely the face drop in A-Team. Just the whole second half of The Mummy Returns. Yep. Uh, the alien quadrilogy, the solid floors problem. Uh-huh. I have never seen Daily laugh so hard in a movie ever in my life than yesterday when we saw this movie. Yeah, the Quaalude scene. It's just, I... Yeah. I, I mean, I mean and throughout, a, too, really. Yeah, I mean, steadily. Yeah. Like, steady, steady laughs. And I want to go back to the physical comedy thing. Absolutely. Because, for, for me, and I, I know that for a lot of people, there are, people have different, uh, you know benchmarks for for physical comedy for me it's always steve martin in all of me yeah because i don't know how many actors today could pull off having half their body possessed by lily tomlin Mm -hmm. i just don't think many people could do it and now i think dicaprio could do it yeah it's a it's a side of dicaprio that you're right like you i really feel like i haven't i haven't seen before um and i have to say that i really love this sort of second renaissance because i i also it took me a long time to come around on DiCaprio, and a big part of that is that uh, for a long time, I I always associated DiCaprio with sort of movies that when I was in middle school and high school that girls went bananas over and that didn't really do a lot for me. Uh, well, they still do. Like Titanic Ugh. or uh, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, which I actually, like, I enjoyed that movie from the outset, but... Uh, I, I think he's way overmatched by Claire Danes in that movie. Um, it's but but that's the thing. Like he just he was that sort of teen heartthrobby thing for a long time. So I couldn't take him seriously as kinda an like, actor. Kind of like Johnny Depp for a while. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, uh, but 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 DiCaprio was so young. Yeah, like he was he sort was, of closer to our age. Young. So yeah. he he was so young. He felt more like he felt like. Someone like uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. It's you funny know? that you just said it because that's what I was thinking. Yeah, like it was. It was. He's on the cover of magazine of you know teenage magazines and like like that was and it just sort of felt like oh he's a good looking guy who has some pretty good screen presence 
but like I, I don't care, you know? Yeah. Um, because he wasn't doing anything that I, you know, was remotely interested in. Um, I've always felt, I felt the same way, like more recently, uh, it's like Zac Efron. You know, like Zac Efron, yeah. younger Zac Efron was sort of like, oh yeah, he's making the high school musical movies and all these movies for like teenage girls and I, and I don't care, you know, like he's not making movies for me. But I could tell very, like I've learned from DiCaprio because uh, I could tell very early on with Efron, I, I decided that at some point he was going to make a movie that I couldn't ignore. Mm-hmm. You know, that like he, at some point he was going to be an actor whose work I truly enjoyed. Um, and he hasn't had that sort of like, grand slam role yet for me but i've seen him in movies where i go yeah right that's that's pretty good stuff you know um but yeah so to, so i had to, it took me a long time to come around to dicaprio um and i think the movie that finally cemented it for me is uh the aviator um, it was, it was which de- i think is his first movie with with scorsese it was departed for me for sure yeah um, granted i have not seen the aviator yet but like when i think of dicaprio that's what i think of that character from The Departed with his furrowed brow and he's yeah. super stressed out. Um, he's, he's... Which is which is why this was so refreshing because he smiles in this one a lot. Yeah. And he's ridiculous. No, he's really, he's really good. I mean, The Aviator is a, is an excellent film uh, which which you should just watch. Um, oh, I will. Oh, actually, I could be wrong. I'm looking this up now. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I think Gangs of New York. Gangs of New York came first. So... Uh, but it's that's close. I mean, that's the beginning of. He's, but he's also second fiddle to in Gangs of New York to Day Lewis. Well, I mean, he's the main character. Yeah, but it's Daniel Day Lewis out outdoes him in that. That's movie, what it's, sure. I mean. It's Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, performance wise, it's Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. He's the lead of that movie. But yeah, Day Lewis really out, outplays him. Um, Daniel Day Lewis outplays most people. Yeah, exactly. That's that's yeah. hardly a that's hardly a lethal charge yeah, I can let I mean, me against he you. He casts a big shadow. Yeah. Uh, but no, the Aviator was the thing that really took me around on, Di- on DiCaprio, um, and it's—I mean, it's a great movie. That's one of those things where you know Scorsese lost the Best Picture Oscar for that, um, and I—I I thought that was a goddamn crime because uh, that movie is like the filmmaking on that movie is unreal. Um, but it, but I love that this sort of relationship between Scorsese and DiCaprio. You know, it's um, and Sc- Scorsese is very much one of those guys where you look over his filmography where he has just sort of attached himself. Just some actors, and they have these epic runs. I mean, him and De Niro. Oh yeah. I mean, that's it's hard to think of another actor director pairing where it's just they match up and they just churn out one monster success. And not even just they made a lot of money, but just unbelievably effective films. I, I'm, you know, it occurred to me that I, I think, <laughs> I think Scorsese is starting to poach Judd Apatow's cast. Well, okay. I mean, Jonah Hill, for sure, obviously. Yeah. And before him, there was... So, in The Departed, there was... What's his name? Di- DiCaprio's cousin. Isn't that the same guy from... Uh, DiCaprio's from cousin. From Superbad? It's a small role. But it just seems Who's weird DiCaprio's to me. DiCaprio's cousin in, in Got the Departed? dark hair and the kind of beard thingy. I forget who you're talking about now. I gotta, now I, I, gotta, I'm now pretty I gotta look it up. I'm pretty sure it's the same guy. His cousin. He plays Walter. Mark in Superbad. Mark? Wait, who was Mark in Superbad? Again, another small about. role, but the fact you're that... You're talking about... No. Oh, this guy. Yeah, Kevin guy. Corrigan. Yeah, that guy. Oh, well, I wouldn't put him as... Uh, no, but, uh, uh, but, but it's... But as it... an Apatow guy. Corrigan's amazing. He's in, He should be in everything. He's great. Uh, I, I, I would, I've never thought of him as, a, as, a, as an Apatow person, though. Okay. He, he, I mean, he's funny as shit. Um, 
Well, so, Hill, yeah. Hill certainly is. Well, yeah, but that, I mean, that, and that's the thing. I love Scorsese hooking up with with like comic folks. You know, yeah, I mean, it's weird. Rob Reiner is in this movie. <laughs> Rob Reiner kills in this movie. He's so good. Yeah, he is. Um, you've you've got to love. I mean, and and really, the movie is full of just sort of little quick cameos like that, and not even so. You know, so we've got the uh, oh, McConaughey. McConaughey. <laughs> McConaughey's got a great cameo at the beginning, where it's really about three scenes. Uh, and he just, just killed it's it. It's amazing. I mean, I I don't talk much during movies. Yeah. But I turned to Daly after that scene and I said, that scene was amazing. Yeah. Because it's so outlandish. Yeah. It's so yeah, he's doing, well executed. He's in a restaurant. He's doing bumps of cocaine at the table. He's got the waiter bringing him mar- martinis at on precisely a, a, seven and a half, Seven and a half minutes from now, seven, I will need another one. Every of seven and a half minutes. Like, it's insane. Like, but, but not only that. Like, okay, so you've got that. And then he's doing his, you know, his little, like, chest bump song. And his all his weird sound effects yeah. and all that stuff. But his description of sort of the Wall Street shell game yeah. of... That you know that it's all fairy dust. That you know it's essentially they're taking people's money and telling them that they can make more money off of it by by investing it. And technically they are on paper, but they never cash out. They're just constantly moving the money you know around and around and around. And the only important thing is that the stockbrokers are getting their commission. Right. You know, and like that sums up uh, my issues with the financial industry in the stock market better than I, I I've ever been able to in my entire life. And and look and it's that's a that's a thing that I have trouble with at work. I mean, especially in uh, you know, this past year uh, during the election. Um, yeah. because let's put it this way, uh, I uh, found myself very much to the left of the majority of my coworkers. Um, listening to people talk uh, in the sort of weeks coming up to the election and you know, they're talking about how much they hope that Mitt Romney gets elected simply because it seemed like, you know, the overall opinion seemed to be he's going to, he's going to impose fewer rules on us. Mm. He's going to, he, he's going to be, uh, you know, the one who allows us to make more money and he's not going to regulate us as much. And that seemed to be the bottom line. It just seemed to be who, who's, who's going to allow us to get the most profit. And that's who we, that's who we all should be supporting. And that thinking is just insane to me. Um, I, I, I mean, but if you think about it, and it's funny that you should say that because I found that during the, well, so what I do, I'm currently a student again, <laughs> again, but I, uh, I'm in a graduate program for education policy. And it's funny because I find myself way to the right of, of most of my cohort. And the thing is that I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm a moderate. Yeah. I'm not a, I mean, I'm, I'm like liberal tendencies, but my, my parents are very conservative. So I see both sides and it, I hate election season. I just hate it. But it's, it's funny because I'm so far to the right of all my, my colleagues and it's. Is it off putting to you and they feel like I shouldn't, I'm not usually this, I don't usually feel like I'm on the right of people. Well, it's, it's funny. Like, do you feel like you're out of place? Well, it's weird because like when I'm at my parents' house, for yeah. instance, or talking to my not just my parents, my my uh, family in my, general. My family in general. I'm way to the left yeah. of them, and then I talk to you, and I'm way to the right of you. Well, yeah. And I go to you know go to school, and I'm way to the right of them. But I'm 
like I'm it's it's just I'm constantly in a position where I'm not what I appear to be. Yeah. And it's just very strange and I don't quite know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. No, I mean that's and that's weird. Um and that's that's the thing with uh it's I mean that's the thing about politics and and you know and you really are kind of uh forced into uh a position depending on where where you are like I mean in the moment and that's and that like it part of it is you know I I can't fault people in my office for feeling like, well, we should be voting for supporting the guy who's going to allow this company to be the most successful because that's your job. Right. You want your company I mean, to be it's, successful it's so not, that you don't get fired and lose your job. You know, like thing. it's not unreasonable. Yeah, I can't. Like, it's I, just, I understand. It's just shitty. I understand that, but like <laughs> that can that will never be the motivating factor. That'll never be the prime directive of why I vote for a person, you know? Like But you're also way more altruistic than a lot of people. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I I, I always vote like personally, I always feel that uh I'll vote for on a social agenda um and a sort of a moral agenda over a financial economic agenda. Mm. Even now now that's let me let me rephrase that. Uh I've never voted Republican and people always say, "Oh, well, you know, Republicans are better. You know, they're you know they're more fiscally conservative, so they're better economically, and and Democrats are sort of, uh, you know, th- they vote socially." I would never grant the premise that the right has a better handle on how to handle the economy, mm. uh, because I think the eight years of uh, the Bush administration pretty much patently proved that to be incorrect. Um, now, that's not to say that you know. The, wow. That's not to say that the left has all the answers either. <laughs> yeah. But my feeling is always that kind of the economy is going to do what the economy is going to do regardless of who's in office. Um, now, obviously, there's, you know, there are regulatory, you know, some point, some one party is going to impose more regulations than another. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's going to be more oversight. Um, and that certainly affects the economy. But this Wolf of Wall Street, if nothing else, sort of <laughs> affirmed my belief that no matter who's in charge in Washington and what rules they impose, the people who uh, have the most influence over the economy have one goal, and it is to subvert any rules that are in place in order to make themselves as much money as humanly possible. Uh, And that's why, you know, I, I kind of... Clinton was in charge during the you know the internet bubble during that boom where the economy was fantastic uh, and Bush was in charge when the housing economy collapsed yeah. you know like it's you might as well flip a coin yeah, I mean uh, in terms of those it's kind of so so that's why I always yeah. say you know I'd rather vote for someone who's uh, you know, not going to uh, in torture prisoners uh, and you know try and restrict the rights of American citizens and mm. say, well, you can get married and you can't because I don't like you. Like, that's, <laughs> it's ridiculous, you know. Yeah. Um, so that that'll always. Be, but that's the thing. I mean, Wolf of Wall Street is really, uh, and and this is the part that I can't wrap my head around. Is so I, now that I've seen it, I was I'm flipping through some other some other reviews and stuff today, and there, you know, all these people who, they seem to just, they get, they, they're really upset, they're reacting in a really negative way to the movie because they feel like Scorsese is somehow uh, condoning or uh, sort of glorifying this insane excess, this like despicable behavior of Jordan Belfort and, and the entire Stratton, you know, crew there. Yeah. Um, 
I don't, I don't understand how you can watch the movie and walk away with that, no, with that I don't, opinion. You know? I don't either unless you go in with that opinion and decide yeah. that you just want to have it. Yeah. I mean, um, the, I feel like it's the same people who this time last year were complaining that Zero Dark Thirty uh, condones torture because it shows torture. Yeah. You know? Like, there's a difference between... There's a uh, logical sh- leap in there somewhere. Yeah. Well, that... there's a difference between showing something on film and and, oh, endor- yeah. and endorsing that action. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And I think that's and that's one of the reasons that I like Scorsese is it doesn't, you know, he's not spoon-feeding it to you. He's not saying, here are these things are doing and aren't they terrible things and I'm going to, like, let, let me make sure that you know these are terrible things. Like, he shouldn't have to do that, you know? If he's going to show us, you know, a plane full of prostitutes, uh, you know... And he does, repeatedly. Yeah, like... The, he shouldn't need to tell me that that's morally reprehensible behavior. You know, you should be able to make that judgment on your own. Yes. He assumes a level of, uh, intel- well, not even intelligence, but... Competence? Uh, not, I, yes, but... Basic humanity in the audience? It, it's a level of active thinking. Yeah. It's not even intelligence. It's yeah. just the fact that you're actually thinking about it and making your own judgment. Yeah, that you're that you're actually exactly that's exactly it. That you're not just looking at it and going, hey, boobies. You know? <laughs> well, like, a lot of people will. No, and that's, that's fine. Yeah, there are some nice boobies. boobies in there. But like but yeah, but you have to be looking at it beyond just whatever's ha- whatever light is flashing in front of your face. That you're right. actually thinking about what's happening in front of you and not just passively passively observing it. Right. Pa- passively observing. Well done. No, passively observing it all. Mm. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about some of these individual performances. That's what I was uh, thinking. So DiCaprio, like we've already sort of mentioned. Let's, let's leave him for the end. Okay, yeah, you want to work up to DiCaprio? Yeah, we'll work yeah, up yeah. to DiCaprio. Um, well, actually, I want to work up to Ghostbusters. Yeah, okay. To Ghostbusters. Well, yeah. So, um, there are, so we started to mention this earlier. So there are a lot of great cameos in this movie. You know, people who just yeah. sort of show up in very small roles, and they all kill it. Uh, Rob Reiner <laughs> Rob as Reiner. his dad. Uh, John Favreau as the security guy. For no reason at yeah, all. Yeah, no I mean, yeah, like two scenes. doesn't even really do anything that spectacular. He's just sort of, it's, it almost just feels like he was hanging out. And uh, so he's like, hey, why don't... Why don't you just Ethan get a suit? Let's, let's put, yeah. put a tie on him. He can stand there. He can stand next to him. Why is Ethan Supley there? Yeah, he yeah doesn't really have a lot he to do. No He's just reason. sort of in there. A yeah, lot. but uh, hey, I'm happy to see him. Uh, and uh, Spike Jones. Spike Jones has a great scene. Yeah, and I love when Spike Jones shows up in a movie because you know a lot of people don't really you know he's not. Uh, very, I feel like he's not a very familiar face to a lot of people, um, but he has such a distinctive, like vocally, he has such a distinct voice that, like, I real, I knew it was him because uh, he's got a bit of uh, like a, I guess like a mustache and some uh, like you know stubble and whatnot. Yeah. So I recognized his voice before I recognized his face in this movie. Mm. Um, but I love when he shows up in movies like this. He also has a he has a great cameo in uh, in Moneyball. It's the same thing where he's just sort of like has one scene and Hello. It's, really, it's really goofy and it's really fun but yeah he's he's so great in that one scene uh but yeah so there's there's lots of there's lots of little quick easy appearances like that i really love kyle chandler as the fbi agent oh uh, yeah i mean he look I'll, coach taylor coach taylor can do no wrong you know uh, have you watched <laughs> friday night lights not yet oh man it's really good uh and he's 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 fantastic in it um but he's he, he I, I love him uh, in that role. It's a it's a really simple role, you know, being the sort of 
the the cop, the the investigator um, in these movies is sometimes kind of a kind of a thankless role. Yes. Um, and he doesn't. I mean, and he doesn't have a lot of showy stuff. He has that one great scene. That is on a great the boat. scene. That is a great um, scene. And that's really that's the thing. This movie is full of great individual scenes like yes. that. I mean, the whole story is really good. But you know, people say, "Oh, it's three hours long." Like, first of all, it's three hours long, and it, you. It, Goes by in an instant. Like, like you know? nothing. I could watch two more hours of that movie easily without blinking. I guarantee you that in a couple of years, maybe I don't know how long it'll take, but I guarantee you that film teachers, film professors, will take scenes out of this in isolation, yeah. and dissect them. And no, but and they're they're like all my favorite scenes are very. I mean, that scene on the boat goes on for a long. It's a time. long scene. Yeah, that scene on the that's the the scene with McConaughey in the restaurant. He says, "Okay, bring me a bring me another bring me a martini in seven and a half minutes." And seven and I I I should have timed it in the moment, but I would be willing to bet it is exactly seven and a half minutes of screen time that elapses before the martini shows up. And, and you all, rarely see a one scene between two people that goes on for seven and a half minutes, let alone in the first like twenty minutes of the movie where nothing know? actually happens. Yeah, all they do is talk. Yeah, um, but it's fascinating. Yeah, exactly. Uh, there is, uh, 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 who else? Uh, Jean, Jean Dujardin, the, the, who's the, uh, Swiss banker. Oh God, uh, yeah. The, the guy, it's the guy from, uh, The Artist, the silent movie from a couple of years ago that won Best Picture. Oh really? Yeah, it's the same guy. Huh. Yeah. Uh, who, I haven't watched The Artist yet. Um, I, I missed it that year. It's been sitting in my Netflix queue for, you know, like two years. Uh, so I'll probably, I'll try to get, I'm going to try and get to it before the Oscars this year. Yeah. Um, but, no, he was uh, great. Yeah, he's really good. I like I like seeing him show. He's going to be in Clooney's movie too, uh, Monuments Men. You know what's good, great about some of his scenes? I liked the. Uh, there were certain things. I I, I don't want to call them experimental, but I think in the greater universe of the movie, they were experimental. Like the the minor telepathy moments. Oh yeah, and they come out of nowhere, I and they're love that. nothing, and they're not repeated. Yeah. Really. No, I mean, and that's and it works. It still works. That's one of those things about this movie that really blows your mind. Um, you know, it, Scorsese is 71 years old. Scorsese is the same age as my grandfather. Uh, and he's making these movies that are, you know, this movie is so, you know, inventive and energetic. It's extremely energetic. And it's, I mean, and like he, and he utilizes, yeah, there are these, they, they, they're internal monologues. They speak to each other in internal monologues. Uh, he they break the, the fourth. They break the fourth wall all the time. Yeah. Uh, it's. I mean, it's. It's crazy, uh, and and it all flows together seamlessly. Which is, I think, for me, that's what was most unexpected. Is that it yeah. does. It yeah. Does, it doesn't. It doesn't snap you out of the movie for yeah. a minute. You rarely see someone. Certainly not someone seventy-one years old who's willing to mess around yeah. with with for, with form in that way. Well, you know. I I remember at the very end of the movie, I turned to you and I said that, what did I say? Is this Scorsese? I, I think I said, I think incorrectly, I said, yeah. it's like, this is awesome, because now Scorsese doesn't give a shit anymore. But, the, I mean, which is not correct. He obviously cares, but he's he's not bound by anything. Yeah. Uh, is he's what I really meant. He's really willing to sort of do anything that he thinks might be interesting. And yeah. he's Scorsese, so he... He can do whatever he, the hell he, he wants. He really can do it, and no yeah. one will tell him not to. Exactly. Not that anybody could, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, I have to, you know, Margot Robbie, uh, who plays his wife, the blonde. Oh. Um, I mean, yes, first of all, oh. holy God, um, she is just stunning. Do you realize, I looked her up this morning, because I was curious, I wanted to know how old she was. Yeah. You know what year she was born? Yes. 1987. 90. 
She was born in 1990. How did that, how does this... How is that possible? We're old as shit now. We are. We're fucking old men. How did that happen? <laughs> and does that does that make us leches now? Yeah, it might be. It might. I think that just made us gross. Oh. Retroactively. Hi, mom. Uh, so, uh, but she's. I mean, she's remarkable. She does not give an inch. I mean, she all almost all of her scenes are. You know, re- really, all, all of her scenes are opposite DiCaprio. A lot of times, it's just her and DiCaprio, and she carries it. Yeah, she does not back down in any way. I mean, nope. it would be, and especially in a role like this, where DiCaprio is so manic and so, you know, he's literally like bursting at the seams. It'd be so easy to get just absolutely steamrolled by him. Yeah, uh, and she, and he's on it. He is on his game in yeah, this one. But she she meets him. She's beat for beat. She is right there. Uh, and she's she's remarkable. Yeah. Um, not only that, she's also Australian, and her, that that Long Island accent that she has is nuts. Yeah, that's. <laughs> it's whatever. Cool. I, I mean, I, it's fabulous. And that's a. What I, what I'll really say is that accent is one of those things that is so like on the face of it, uh, like anyone doing that accent, it is such a cartoonish accent <laughs> that when you go too far, like it becomes off-putting. But it feels so natural coming you, out of you her know, mouth. You know, you know what it reminded me of? You know, Thirty Rock, where Julianne Moore is supposed to be from Boston. Yeah, yeah it's nothing like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, because. <laughs> But no, but see, I feel like there's a joke to that accent, you know? Like, it's like she's doing, uh, I don't feel like she's trying to do an accurate version of that accent. I feel like she's trying, and her voice is, uh, Julianne Moore goes, her voice gets so, like, sort of low and husky. It's like she's doing a dude version. Because there is sort of a male Boston and a female Boston. I oh, mean, sure. There, there is sort of a difference well, with it's, it's, to the way they speak. It's it's the difference, for, for guys, I think it's Southie. Yeah. And for ladies, I think it's South Shore. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. I see what you, you mean. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. yeah. But it's like, did, did you see The Heat with... Uh... No, we were supposed to go see that, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then... It's, uh, uh, the, so that's set in Boston, and um, oh, Melissa McCarthy yeah, yeah. plays the local, and at one point they go and have dinner with her family, and she's got, uh, so it's like her parents, and then she's got like three brothers, and I think the brothers girlfriends or whatever yeah. there's a couple guys a couple girls at the table they all have really thick accents yeah um, they're and they're all locals um and you can re- and you can you can absolutely tell the difference mm. um like there's there's just a different cadence to the way they speak and julia moore it always felt like she was doing like a version of a guy's boston accent i don't know what it was but it just it to me it came off as just awful yeah um but, but yeah no this is just margot robbie's long island accent is so natural great. yeah and fluid it's I, i'd be crazy. curious to know if we who do we know from Long Island? Anybody? I know some people from college from Long Island. I'd be curious to know. And they, they, their accents are—they don't have really pronounced accents. They theirs is. You know, but I, but I mean, like in the same way, neither of us has a, as much. Yeah, no. Boston I mean, thing. especially when I was like, certainly when I was like growing up, it's like I meet people and they wouldn't believe me when I'd say yeah. I'm from Boston because I have real. I mean, I can do an accent, but yeah, I, it doesn't I mean, come naturally. To no, me, you know? no, it's forced. Yeah. Um, <laughs> though apparently. Not unlike Mare. Apparently, once in a while, when I'm drunk enough, I'll drop an R. But, oh yeah. Um, well, I do that, but I do it to be fun. You you no, know? I, I, well, that's the thing is, I used to. Do I, it I'll, to be I'll fun. start to do it on purpose, and then yeah, the more I drink, doing, the less. Just, now I'm just, <laughs> I've just been doing it, so I just keep doing it. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, um, I, but I'd be curious to know for people who are actually from Long Island if they would buy it as well as, or yeah. as easily as we did. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Though. Anyway, um, well, speaking of speaking of vocal work. Uh, Jonah Hill. Oh, man. Jonah Hill. Oh, my God. Okay, so I mentioned this last night. Um, you know, uh, 
Jonah Hill is, um, he was nominated for an Oscar for Moneyball, mm. uh, and I think that was I think that was pretty well deserved. Um, I I mean he does very good work in that movie, um, but at no point in Moneyball am I ever not aware of the fact that this is Jonah Hill. Right. Like, he's sort of being serious Jonah Hill, you know? Like, he's just sort of being a more subdued version of of himself um, without the sort of, you know, manic craziness. Um, See, for me, I think this was the first time I saw Jonah Hill cast in a role that isn't Jonah Hill as yeah. Jonah Hill in something. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't think he was going to pull it off. Yeah. But he totally did. I think, I mean, I think his... He's got big, uh, he's got big fake teeth, which are hilarious. Yeah, and I love that they they actually make the reference in the movie. Yeah, to his, his fluorescent teeth. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I mean, I think I think that probably helps him a little bit. Probably it helps him kind of disappear. But vo- I mean, his vocal work is really impressive. Yeah. Um, I mean, he sounds like a different person. Um, if he if this was like uh, you know if this was an animated film and he was if he used that voice in an animated film, I wouldn't know it was him. Yeah. You know. Um, the thing is, I feel like this role. The age of the character is older than he typically gets. Oh, sure, yeah. And I think that's actually. I, I mean, I think for once he was playing a character that was his actual yeah. age. Well, these characters certainly. like another teenager. Yeah, these characters certainly age uh, quite a bit over the course of the film. I mean, the right. film takes place over a course of a number of years. And you can really tell. Uh, and it's really. I think it's really subtle work. Um, but, you know, especially by the time we got to the end, I mean, there is a. It's a very subtle but very distinct uh, difference. I mean, just. Uh, facially yeah. between uh, DiCaprio at the beginning when he's sort of young, fresh on Wall Street, and at the end when he's in that seminar yeah. uh, in Auckland. I mean that. I mean he looks like a guy who has aged twenty years, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. I mean Jonah Hill's work here is incredible. He he, I, I I don't see how he doesn't get nominated again, and I feel like he could, actually could win this year. Mm. Um, it's that. It's that good, and like, and I wouldn't be upset if he won. Like, I think he deserve. He would deserve. I mean, obviously, depending on who the list of uh, of other nominees are. I mean, I think right. Fastbender will probably get nominated for Twelve Years a Slave, and he would he would earn that as well. That you know, those are both those would both be earned nominations, and you know, potentially you'd, you'd be wins. okay with it. Um, and very different roles, but but I mean, he's just he's so great, and and that's the other thing. You know, it's. Obviously, he's very funny in this movie. Uh, oh, he's know. he's hilarious. He's carrying a lot of the a lot of the a lot of the humor. He doesn't feel like comic relief. He's just he is the completely insane, uh, you know, counterpoint to DiCaprio. Um, you know, with DiCaprio is a guy who basically you know uh, Belfort basically spends the whole movie high on something. Um, he really does, but he also has these moments, you know, these moments of sort of like very distinct, you know, lucidity. Where not lucidity, but in, in that he is absolutely in charge, and he is smart, and he is intelligent, and he knows exactly what he's doing and what he should do, and he makes a plan, and he fucking does it. And Donnie is the guy who you just keep waiting to drop the ball, like you know he's going to fuck up. Yeah, um, and so you just you just keep waiting for the other shoe to drop with him. Um, but yeah, man, he is. He is astounding in this movie. You want to talk about Rugrat? Rugrat? <laughs> Rugrat's pretty great. You know huh? what Rugrat reminded me of? Yeah. Brick. Brick? <laughs> I mean, did, didn't did you not see that? No, a little a little bit, yeah. Just like... Uh, <laughs> Rugrat is... Uh, PJ Byrne is his name. Uh, and he's uh, he's a guy I've always kind of liked. He 
he sort of shows up in small roles and a lot of stuff. That, I think this is probably his biggest role that I could think of in a long time. You know what the uh, thing about him was? It never happened. What never happened? They blue-balled us on his toupee coming off. That's true. It gets loose at one point. <laughs> uh, but yeah I, yeah, I figured we'd see that come through. The, that's, that's a great bit, though. Oh. Is that your real hair? Really? You're not going to say anything about that? We're going to get personal? Is that how this is going to be? <laughs> I think it's that time. I think it's that time. Who's, who's The heart of the Ghostbusters? Our recurring bit? Who's the heart of the Ghostbusters I, in the I, Wolf of Wall I, Street? I, I got to give it to Hill. Yeah, no. It's not, it's not even debatable. It's got to be Jonah Hill, right? I, it has to be. I mean, there are a lot of people. Like, the supporting cast, you got to give it to them. They are really yeah. great. The whole cast, but... You know, the supporting... I mean, just people with tiny, tiny little roles. Yep. But I, I have to give it to Hill. You know, you know, it, it kind of reminds me in a weird way of, uh, of uh, Mike Lerman. Uh, Lerman? Lerman. In, in, in <laughs> that, uh, Lerman is, uh, you know, a fr- friend of ours from high school uh, who he's just one of those guys that gets you to do insane shit he he convinces you to do this stuff that you're like yeah no i don't think we're gonna do that and then an hour later you find yourself doing it and fucking loving it and having the time of your fucking life you know yeah um i mean that's how our you know our acoustic cover band started was he showed up at our apartment for a week and said hey you're all you're all musicians kind of we should have a we should have a cover band and we all went yeah all right yeah we should definitely do that and then six albums later yeah i I am not in this band i wasn't there for this do you want to know what the name of this band is b-i-p-f-t the name is actually yep that's the name of the band Uh oh my lord that was and that was and that's you know what that is some of the best times of my life but some of my favorite memories from LA involve our ridiculous cover band that you need, like wouldn't happen without someone like Lerman. And I'm I'm not in that band, but that band is the reason why I love the song Africa by right. Toto and Hold the Line. Really, um, Hold the Line more than anything. Lerman is uh, I don't know if I mentioned this to you. Uh, I meant to mention to you last night. Uh, so yeah, I've been sort of saying Lerman's going to guest curate movies for me. I am aware of this. He I'm terrified me, of this. He gave me his list. He's given, he's given me two weeks of movies. That's how I'm starting the new year. Oh. January 1st, the first two weeks of 2014, I will get, be, it'll be all Lerman all the time. Do you get a break in the middle? Nope. Nope. I'm just going to go for it. I thought about splitting it up. Um, and if it had been earlier in the calendar year, I'd probably do like a week here and then a week there, but I've, I've only got two months left, so I'm just going to go full bore two weeks you, you want to keep the carrot liquor it's, <laughs> i may need it i'm it's it, I've, I've looked at the list uh, and i haven't read any of the descriptions for some for any of them some of them i'm sort of familiar with and some of them i'm not uh but yeah it's going to be going to be pretty bonkers you should come you should come over and watch some of them I, i'll watch some of them i don't think i could take all two weeks of it yeah no it's it's going to be pretty intense but it's going to be a lot of fun how long we've been going? I forgot to start a timer this time. I don't yeah. know what time we started. I looked and I forgot. I think we're probably around an hour. Uh, That's not bad. No, yeah. I mean it was only yesterday. It hasn't all sunk in. That's yet. true. Do you feel like so we've been doing these for a couple? Of, so we're the last couple have been right around sort of ninety minutes. I mean, do you feel like that's too long? I kind of feel like that's. I feel like you know sixty to ninety minutes is sort of right in the right in the sweet spot there. I, I think what we tend to do is talk about the actual movie for like fifty. Yeah. And then the rest of it is just talking about shit. <laughs> but that's okay. Like, I actually, I'm, I'm okay with oh, that. Oh, yeah. No, I, I like that. I like this sort of rambly nature. Because yeah. the other thing is, you know, as we, you know, as this podcast evolves, yeah. um, I would like it to be uh, just to sort of become just as much about 
sort of what's going on in movies this week uh, as, as much as it is picking one movie and talking about it. I like that hook of yeah. we're going to pick a movie and we're going to talk about it because it becomes like, like a movie book club. You know, um, okay, Oprah. Well, you know, I know, but like, but that's the thing. I mean, that's that's what, uh, especially when the you know when this when the sort of when the year is up. Um, you know, I think that should be uh, one of the things we do is we should pick the next week's movie in advance so that people who are listening yeah. can watch the movie. Go, oh, they're going to talk about this. Let me. I should watch that because there'll be a podcast about it. And, yeah. And, you know, people can sort of follow along and play along, whether those are movies we go see in a theater or movies we just watch, you know, watch on Netflix or something. Yeah. Um, oh, it's a good idea. I think, I think that should be our agenda. I don't, we, we don't have to do that today. Uh, I think when I, when the, because so much of my viewing schedule is still sort of, you know, on, on a whim. Well, um, and I don't not. necessarily get to see a movie that, you know, when it comes out like that first week. So sometimes I put it off. So, um, not those two weeks, though. Well, no, not the Lerman weeks. Um, but no, I mean, I think after after March, when uh, when we start to do this on a on a sort of regular basis, I think yeah. that should be. I think that should be a we can, it can lend us a little more structure. Absolutely. Um, well, speaking of such things, you know, so we it, like I said, it's Christmas week. Uh, Christmas week, you know, the holiday is always sort of a slow time for news in general. Nobody wants to make major announcements and. You know, none of that stuff comes out around the holidays. People are people are their minds are elsewhere. Well, yeah. Um, uh, but there was one thing. The bars that, are full. Yeah, there was one thing that came across my desk the other day, um, so to speak, that I feel you need to see. Okay. Um, it is a trailer for an unfinished film uh, that is. Uh, got a Kickstarter campaign going, so they've put the, they've they've shot some footage, they put together a trailer, and they've got a Kickstarter campaign to raise money to finish the Hold movie. Hold on, wait, what is this called? I feel like I may have heard of this. Kung Fury. It's called Kung Fury. Are, are we going to pause and? Uh... That's exactly what we're going to do. I, really, I like this. Let's do this. I really like how this worked out with Transcendence last week. So yeah. I think we're going to do it again. I like this plan. It's the trailer. I'm excited to be a part. of it. I am excited to be yeah, a part of. Custer it. had a plan too. <laughs> so the movie is Kung Fury. This is a movie that is uh, kickstartering now. It is looking for funds to finish. It's finished this film. Uh, I'm going to show you the trailer, and uh, we'll, we'll get your reaction. Renegade cop. I don't want to hear it, Kung Fury. I've just been to City Hall. You just destroyed an entire city block, for Christ's sake. I quit. Now, he must defeat the most evil Kung Fu master in the world. Adolf Hitler, a.k.a. Kung Fuer. I can hack you back in time to Nazi Germany, just like a time machine. Too far back in time. This is the goddamn Viking Age. I'm a cop from the future. I need your help. Get ready for a new world of unspeakable adventures never before shown in a motion picture. Get ready for Kung Fury. I can't wait for the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> That's an actual movie. Uh, Wow. 
full disclosure, I've already given them money. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> because I have to see that movie. I, like, it's not a, I want to see that movie. I have to see that movie. I. Yeah. I mean, the moment that really <laughs> Kung Fuhrer. The fact. Okay, first of all, the fact that the cop's name is Kung Fury is I was, amazing. I, I was. When we, okay, I was kind of hope wishing that we had left this rolling while we watched the trailer because I wanted to say to everyone. His name is Kung Fury? <laughs> yes, his name is Kung Fury, which is amazing. Uh, amazing. The fact that there's no possible human way that that voice came out of that guy is also amazing. Kung Fuhrer is <sighs> genius on a level I have never, I can't even begin to comprehend. But it's the moment when the giant half-naked Thor god descends from the clouds into nazi germany into not and then fights <laughs> nazis that i mean how can you not want to watch that movie yeah i mean it's as if they went into the internet subconscious <laughs> and prowled around for all the awesome yeah my my i'm such a child yeah I'm, no it's like, insane I, I, and i honestly and i had a honest to god debate with myself for a solid 10 minutes between whether or not I donate 20 bucks for a digital cop to get a digital copy of the movie or 30 bucks to get a Blu-ray of the movie. Oh my lord. I settled on the digital copy only because I felt like while I need to see that movie at least once, I feel like I probably won't watch it many times after that. But holy fuck god, that's unreal. I just The fact that that's a thing that even half exists in the world. I really is appreciated incredible. the title sequence. Yes, and, and, like the the, the, oh, the the laser unicorns. The, the, the laser unicorns thing is <laughs> production that, company. That, that's the best production company logo since the Desotroya logo <laughs> in that Godzilla movie. Yeah, which is awesome. You should see that. I should. But yeah, that's uh, that's. I mean, that's that's pretty outstanding. So, uh, if you haven't seen the trailer for Kung Fury, do yourself a favor and watch the trailer for Kung Fury. Yeah, do that. Um, so, I think that, I think it probably just about wraps it up for us. Um, I mean, like I said, that was sort of, Wolf of Wall Street, that was sort of my last awardsy type movie. I haven't really written any of them up yet. Mm. Um, but, uh, we, you know, I, we are sort of at the end of the year. Um. Well, yeah. I've been thinking about doing a, uh doing a sort of end of the year, not end of my year, since, you know, my really good planning means that I didn't start this on January 1st, I started it on March 1st, um, so, uh, but I was thinking of doing a sort of top 10 of 2013 kind of thing. Um, okay. Oh, hey, that's, that's something we didn't talk about. What's that? So I asked you yesterday, uh, and you didn't have an answer yet, because we had just come out of the movie, but, right. so, I, I know that this movie uh, is going in your... Your top five, anyway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the question is, after a day now, what do you think? Where does it go? Yeah, um, so as of right now, uh, my top ten of the year, granted my top ten of the year also includes old stuff that I've watched, like Florence of Arabia and Seven Samurai, which are, you know, definitely on that list. Um, well, no, no, not of the year. Yeah, 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 no, 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 but I'm saying the year, the list I have published right now also includes old stuff, um, and so I haven't put Wolf of Wall Street on it, uh, on my list yet, um, because I've been thinking about it, but right now the top of my list is actually all 2013 movies. It's um, it's Gravity and Her 
and 12 Years a Slave. Those are, those are my top three right now. Wolf of Wall Street is definitely in there. Um, and I have a lot of trouble when it comes to these sort of top 10 type lists um, because you... You know, how do you define that? Is it your favorite movies? Is it, you know, the best made movies? Is it, uh, you know, like, what, what, what exactly is the qualifying factor there? I, I would probably put Wolf of Wall Street at number three right now. Um, one and two being. One and two being, uh... One and two being Gravity and Her. So Gravity's one. Jo- yeah, which is Spike Jones's movie is Her. Um, and Gravity, like, I'm a little torn about it. And so I've been, I've been sort of going back and forth because Gravity is a movie that, first of all, it's, it's a science fiction film. It's set in outer space, which already gives it points for me. Um, but it's a movie that really feels like it is redefining the language of filmmaking, you know? I mean, that's a movie, that is a, an experience, that is a theatrical experience like I have not encountered <coughs> in years, where I've literally spent half the movie just, just thinking, how, how is he doing that? How is the camera doing what it's doing? How are they not actually in space right now? Because it feels like they're actually in space right now. And it is easily the best use of 3D I've ever seen in a movie. So it really feels like that element of it keeps it very high on my list, even though there are, uh, I think, some weaker parts when it comes to sort of the script or the story. Um, and I don't even think it's that they're weak. I just think that comparatively to other movies, like I think her and wall street are probably tighter stories, which is that's saying something because, uh, gravity like struggles to hit 90 minutes and Wolf of wall street is three hours. And yet somehow feels like it might be a tighter film. Um, well, okay, here's, let's, let's break this down. But her has a bigger like emotional impact to me. Um, and yet, uh, 12, 12 Years a Slave is a movie that just breaks my heart and is so hard to watch and is so incredible, but it feels kind of like a United 93 type movie in that it is just, it's astounding to watch, but I feel like I'm, like, it's, it's so hard to watch that I don't know how many, how often I will rewatch it. Like, I don't know how often That's I can bring myself to revisit it, whereas Wolf of Wall Street feels like something I will watch very frequently that I will just keep coming back to. See, that's my question about... I haven't I haven't seen her. Yeah. But I did see Gravity, and obviously I saw Wall Street. And the thing is, for me, I mean, I enjoyed them both immensely. Yeah. And for the same reasons. But, and maybe this is just my way of looking at it, when I, when I think about my favorite movies, the reason why they are my favorite movies, I think for me, the defining characteristic is replay value. Mm-hmm. And it's a movie that I'm willing to watch over. Not only willing, I want to watch yeah. it over you and over. You get excited to watch it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've been watching... When I was a little kid, I watched 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Twice. Every day. Yeah. I mean, I wore out the VHS. There are blank spots where it cuts to snow. No, I'm serious. <laughs> I believe it. And um, it, that's my favorite movie. And it's because I can... I'm 30 years old. I've been watching since I was four. Yep. And I still find things... That are new, yeah, and it's the same with Strange Love and Ghostbusters, absolutely, and, and and even movies that other people would think are shitty, like 
Bubble Boy and yeah. and Bad Santa. I yep. I love them because I can watch them and they're still funny or they're you know they still hit me really hard. It's still affecting, yeah. And yeah, they they still hit me after all this time, even though they might not be cinematically particularly good movies. Yeah. I I mean I I catch a lot of flack for liking um, Evolution. Yeah, which is people. which is a movie I love. Yeah, we I mean we both love that yeah, movie. Yeah, it's just a and it's definitely a minor film, but it is. So much fun. It's just, it's just it's joy. And this is my concern with gravity. Yeah, you feel like it's not going to have that high replay value. I think it won't, and I think part of the reason why it won't is because its impact is so based on hardware. Yeah, and so last summer and, and, I, I helped my dad put in a, like we built a, I helped him build a man cave in the basement. Yeah, three D TV the whole the whole thing, and uh, it's great. But seeing gravity in super huge three D IMAX. Yeah. I think it's which if be you a, didn't see it in the super huge 3D IMAX, you missed out. Yeah, and I, I, I it'll go back at some point because it has to. It's still playing at the common in 3D, not IMAX, but it's still playing at the common in 3D. I think you need the scope. Yeah, um, no, I do too. I anyway, think and I scope. think this is going to be part of the problem with gravity. I think if I had seen it, uh, even on my, you know, my parents' new TV, yeah, in you know, in their basement, which is pretty sizable, which is it's it's a I think it's a 60, yeah, so, so, and it's, it's big. I, I don't. I, I don't wouldn't think have it, the same it just it just wouldn't. No. And I wonder, and that's part of the the replay problem. Whereas Wall Street, I, I think I could just it's it's that movie is yes, it's over the top, but it's gonna stay funny. Yeah. And it's gonna stay poignant. Oh, we didn't talk about poignant. Hmm. My my favorite thing in movies, uh, or in actually any anything medium, yeah, is uh, is I think it's very difficult to pull off having something be poignant, and it's why I love Louis C.K. so much. Mm. And actually, I, I went home yesterday after watching the movie, and I, I watched I watched Louis. Um, because, and I think that it's, it's hard to have something be incredibly tragic and incredibly funny at the same time. And yeah. I think Wall Street does it. Yeah. And I think it's going to get better when I'm, when I'm not just bowled, o- bowled over by how funny it is. Yep. And I realize how depressing some of it is. I think watching it by myself mm-hmm. is going to be totally different. No, and I feel the same way about um, about uh, uh, the World's End. Um, the The World's End was a movie that sort of the same thing. Um, with, although actually, so you know, you walk in. I walked into that movie saying, "Oh, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, you know, Edgar Wright. You know, this is going to be, you know, a really fun, funny type movie." And and it is. It is that. But there's so much other stuff going on. Uh, in that movie, that like the second viewing rewards you uh, because aside from finding a whole other set of jokes and running gags that I missed the first time through, like the drama of that film plays so much better the second time than the first time. And I think you're right. I think Wolf of Wall Street is going to be the same way. I think it's going to be one of those things where you 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 peel back the layers and you find whole other levels of experience. You know, in in uh, future viewings um, that it ju- it just continues to reward you aside from that initial reaction. I mean, it's a tragic comedy. Yeah, yeah, and it, and anyone who thinks it isn't tragic, like I said, is insane. Yeah, you know, like I don't I don't understand how you walk away from that movie thinking it's anything other than the story of a you know these train wrecks, these human train wrecks. Yeah, um, I mean, terrible people. Yeah, terrible, terrible, awful excuses for human beings yeah. uh, who run the national economy. I mean, it's as much of an indictment of, you know, American capitalism as a whole as it is, you know, the assholes who are behind the wheel. Right. You know? Um, it's. I mean, it is very much... And that's the thing. You know, you DiCaprio is constantly saying, doing this where he's talking to the camera and he starts to explain something 
as oh, I did this, which means that I could do this, and he starts to explain how some financial paradigm worked, and then would just stop and go, you know what, never mind, you don't care, or you're not going to understand, or whatever, because, I mean, it's just, it's just, this is just sort of the way the system works. Why it works that way is unimportant. It's just that this is, this is how, this is how it is, and, and that's fucked up, yeah. you know? And that's exactly how it is. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. Nobody knows. No, nobody knows. You, that's it, it because one, nobody understands the financial system and anyone who tells you they do is lying. Uh, anyone everyone is just <laughs> playing their little corner of the world warning these three things that they know will get them or yep. they think they know will get them money. Uh, and there's there's no there's so little rhyme or reason to any of it. It's ridiculous. Well, it's like any administrative agency. I mean, you, you no, it's all a shell game. You don't know. Well, it's not even that. It's just it's, it's, there's so much going on. You yeah. can't know. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, even if you try to. Yeah. I mean, the, the average person look is at the not SEC. smart to be able to They, they gave out. up and they're just looking at porn. Yeah. <laughs> that actually happened in real life. Ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, I think I think you're right. And, that, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, for me, uh, you know, I, uh, gravity ranks very high because of that sort of viewing experience that I had watching it. Um, Lawrence of Arabia is sort of the same way. I mean, Lawrence of Arabia, great movie by itself, but the actual viewing experience I had, you know, we went and saw it at a, at a great old theater, at the, the Coolidge Corner Theater, where they played the overture, like leading into the film, uh, and there's, you know, the act break, and the, you know, picture quality was just perfect and they you know the sound is the restoration is amazing um and the whole experience of watching that movie that way i mean it elevated my appreciation for that film you know miles ahead as if i've if i had just watched it you know at home on a blu-ray you know yeah um and so that really it's one of those things that were like whenever i think whenever i think of gravity i'm going to think of the that entire experience of the, watching that movie the theater you know? experience yeah exactly as opposed to See, and, and my experience watching Gravity was even like doubly insane because we got in there, we got there kind of late, and uh, had really shitty down row front like front row seats, and then somebody uh, a fire alarm went off and they evacuated the entire theater, uh, and we stood outside in the parking lot for like twenty five minutes while the fire department came and cleared the building and made sure there was no fire, and then they let us back in, and then they were having projector problems, and the movie started like an hour late. And, but like, thank God it did because, because of that, uh, a bunch of people left and we were able to get seats up in the top row instead of the very front row, which made the whole, which like literally saved it. If we had watched that movie oh, in the front have, row. You would have been sick. Yeah. It would have been, ins I mean, I, yeah, it would have ruined the experience. So I mean, thank God that fire alarm went off, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, but I, yeah, I, I mean, I think Wolf will absolutely be something that I... It's going to play better at home. Yeah, and, and, and that's... Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I expect that Gravity is something... Like, I really look forward to owning it and, you know, being able to watch it. I, I feel like I'm going to watch it... I'm still going to watch it a lot, but it, what, I, you're but right, you're, I don't you're, think it's, But you're going to watch it to remind you of your theater experience. Exactly. Not because it's a great story and it's... I mean, it's good. It's yeah. Like, it's only yeah. good, but it's... But, I'm, yeah, exactly. It's going to be it's sort of rem reminiscent a little bit. Yeah. Know? Um, I mean, it's like me in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I know it's not the best movie in the world. Right. But it, it reminds me of all the, you know, childhood wonder and the whole thing. And I love it. And I will always love it. And I will keep buying it yeah. on different formats over the years. It's, I think... It's like uh, buying the White Album. Yeah. You know? 
you just want to live in it for a while. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Wolf of Wall Street is definitely something that feels like that. Um, her, I feel like, will be the same way. I mean, it hit me on a very emotional level watching it, um, but it is also just a beautifully, beautifully crafted film on, on every level. It is easily Spike Jones's best film to date. Um, I mean, granted, he's only made four, but uh, it, is, it is definitely his best movie. Um, and But that again, that's a movie that I expect I will watch again and again, and I will have very different emotional reactions with every viewing. Um, and that movie works on a lot of different levels for me. Um, whereas, you know, I, I feel like 12 Years a Slave might be the opposite, you know? Like, I don't know if it'll have as much of an impact on later viewings. I mean, not which is not to dilute... I mean, the, it's it's an incredibly... In, I mean, it is it is an intense experience to watch that movie, and it is... I mean, it, it literally, like, it hurts your soul to watch that film. Um... But when you sort of, it's like comedy, when you know it's coming, you know, it's less, comedy's less funny the second time around. So, you know, at, it's watching 12 Years a Slave, like, again and again and again, I mean, at some point it just sort of becomes, you know, like, torture porn. I mean, it's just, it's like, you, you get, you just sort of become, you know, numb to a certain point, it doesn't it doesn't affect you anymore. It's like it's, it's like, like watching Ichi. Yeah, well, it's like when I was in high school and we used to do uh, you know speech and debate, and it was like people used to do. Uh, there were always so many uh, you know Holocaust pieces. There were always so many like po prose poetry, yeah. play reading stuff that it was all it was all you know based on you know around the Holocaust. To the point that by the time I graduated from high school, like Holocaust stories held like so little emotional uh, value to me. Because I was just, I, I was just so burnt out on them. Yeah. Because I was just, I would just be hearing, you know, three of them every week. Um, that it just, it, it doesn't hold, it can't, couldn't impact me anymore. Right. Um, and I feel like 12 years might be the same way, where it's like, I'll, I'll revisit that like once every five years or something like that. Um, because any more, any more frequently than that, and it's just like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just hard to watch. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's an unbelievable film. But really, I mean, this whole year is full of incredible, incredible movies like that. Mm. Uh, 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 Short Term 12 is another movie that really just blew me away. Um, a band called Death is fantastic. Cheap Thrills is wonderful. Um, I mean, there are, like, there are, there's going to be, you know, six solid, six, seven solid, like, Academy Awards sort of nominated films. But, I mean, there are at least ten more movies this year that just... Stoker? Stoker, like, was one of the, like that seventh movie I watched this year, and it is still in my top ten. And it was my top... It was my number one up until I saw Gravity, which was, like, August. I mean, it stayed at number one for, like, eight months. There are so many movies that I saw this year, like, in new in theaters, that just absolutely knocked me sideways. Uh, it I, I can't remember the last time I saw a a year of movies that was this strong. And look, I mean, maybe part of it might be that I'm just seeing a lot of movies this year. You know, I'm not letting well, as much stuff, are. yeah, I'm not letting as much stuff slip past me. Uh, so that may, you know, maybe it's just amplifying that feeling, but man, it's just, it just feels like every couple of weeks I just come across something that just like bolt, like blows my mind. It's, it's incredible. Maybe it's always like that. Yeah, I think maybe I've just been missing out on all this time, you know, that there's, I've just been letting too much stuff pass me by. But I've been seeing a lot of, you know, since the end of the year, a lot of top ten lists coming out from, you know, reviewers, people I read, and a lot of them are saying the same thing. 
that this was just a really strong year for movies. Maybe you um, picked the right year to do this. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, maybe I did. Maybe I just picked a really good fucking year. So, but I gotta I gotta write up. Like, I've been so so behind the writing, uh, and obviously, certainly during the holidays, I sort of let a lot of this stuff get past me. It's because uh, you write too much. Well, yeah, yeah I, I'm not good at writing short things, I guess. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, I, I really got. I want to try and get through all of this. So all of these awards type movies. I got to churn out all of that stuff. Um, and I really want to try and, with Lerman's two weeks, I really want to try and keep to that schedule and actually write them as they go. I was pretty good about it in October when I sort of had that dedicated horror theme of the month. And yeah. I, I didn't get, I didn't, still, there's still a couple horror movies I haven't gotten around to writing up, but I did most of them in like during the month. So uh, I want to try and stick closely to the movies that I watched for Lerman. So she was well, gracious enough to pick out 14 movies that are all actually interconnected in a way. So. Well, Lerman's movies aside, what have you got coming up you're looking forward to? Any really bad ones? Any really good ones? I don't know. Uh, I was looking at the uh, I was looking at the Brattle schedule today because they posted their January February schedule. They've got a Peter O'Toole, got a series of Peter O'Toole movies since he just passed away. Mm-hmm. There's some good ones in there that I haven't seen. I should try and I want to check out. Um, they've been revisiting some of the sort of the year's best and run up to the Oscars, that kind of thing. Um, I think the the Oscars are right a couple of days after my birthday this year. They're usually right around time. Because yeah. my, my final movie. screening will be on March 1st, and I, that's a Saturday, and I think the 2nd is the Oscars. Oh, it's early. I think it's, I think yeah, it's I think the Sunday like the, the 2nd. Usually around the 10th. Usually, yeah, it, it, sort of, it sort of varies. It just sort of depends. I think they intentionally moved it up this year for some reason. I, I don't remember what it was. But, uh, but yeah, um, yeah, like I said, I mean, usually this is the time, there's, you, January, January and February are not usually very good move, months for movies, um, you know, right. it's, it's the, January is the month that everybody spends catching up on the awards <laughs> season <laughs> that films they that they missed when they came out because they all came out on top of each other, um, and so January is typically the month where studios just sort of dump movies that they don't know what to do with or they don't know how to market, um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I don't think there's a lot of really, really strong stuff coming out in the next couple of weeks, which is why I've been, you know, trying, sort of planning on doing, you know, the Lerman thing, uh, some guest curation, and uh, catching up on some of the movies I missed from earlier in the year, um, and, you know, especially uh, come February, which will be my last month of the year, I really want to spend that uh, hitting up a lot of sort of classics that I've missed out on uh, that I haven't gotten around to yet. Stuff like Patton and Ben-Hur, uh, Jaws, two, the 2001. I still can't um, believe you've never seen Jaws. I know. Of all things. I mean, I remember I know. in high school we showed it. I have no excuse. I have no good excuse other than the fact that I didn't know anyone who owned it for a long time and I didn't want to watch it on TV. So, Which is fair. Um but yeah, and it, you know, and it screened theatrically twice this year over the summer. Really? Yeah, the Brattle and the Coolidge both showed it over the summer, and I didn't go either time, mostly because uh, at one point I was thinking of using it for my last film, uh, which look might still happen. I'm still working on the details there, but uh, but yeah, I, I, I but there. I mean, I want February. I, I really want to knock out classic stuff that you know I should have watched years and years ago. Mm. So. Um, It'll probably be a lot more old, a lot, a lot of older titles in February. So, um, but yeah, no, I'm look, I'm looking forward to it, and you know, wrap, wrap it up the year. I can't believe it's already 
been that long already. Ten months. It's been ten months, well, basically. You said yesterday was three. Today was today was three oh four. Today I watched Only God Forgives. That was three oh four. So crazy. Yeah, just nuts. Time time flies, man. Ain't that the damn truth? <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Um, all right. Well, I get, think that get the lewds. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll go get the lewds. You go get the carrot liquor. God. Uh, and uh, I think I think that just about does it. Uh, you can find me as always uh, at Daily Screening on Twitter, uh, Daily Screening uh, on Facebook, or of course www.dailyscreening.com. Uh, and Bart, you're 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 actually on the Twitters now, right? Yep. Uh, at where at where where are you on the Twitters? How do people find you on the Twitters? Um, <laughs> are you hesitant to say? I am. I am. Let's. You want to keep it a mystery? If you search really, really intently, maybe you well, can find I, well, Bart on the Twitters. If, if you were to, if you were today to find me on the Twitters, all you would find is my six tweets from The Hobbit last week. Oh God, it was so. It would it would just end with something about a scrotum on his face, yeah. and I would just that's when I I think that's when I gave up. <laughs> I was like, I'm done with this. You're, have you given up on Twitter? I, well, I might have to come up with a new handle for this. Um, so anyway, we'll we'll hold off on that. But all right. You can find me in the daily screening podcasts. There you go. For now, there you go. Uh, and and like I said, I'm uh, I'm working on getting this getting this stuff up on iTunes. It's uh, surprisingly complicated. So uh, hopefully, I'll have this thing worked out in the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, uh, don't, don't drink carrot liquor. That's all. And, I, that's uh, all I have. That's all I have. Uh, have <laughs> this is the daily screening. Have a lovely evening and a fantastical tomorrow. <laughs>